0: Yes, I feel like traveling on, I feel like traveling on. My heavenly home is bright and fair, I feel like traveling on. (coughs) I feel like traveling on. Brother King? a good song. Brother King? Yes, That sir. song we just sung? Yes, sir. Sharon A. Huh Miss she was traveling on. She got she got her heavily home. <laughs> That's very true. Very true. Thank you, Brother Jason. You're <clears throat> Well <clears throat> got a card here from brother uh, Seymour. Seymour. It says, with an honest and overwhelmed heart that I give sacrifice of thanksgiving to the Lord and to you, my brothers and sisters in Christ Jesus, Y'all are and have been awesomely loving with your kind uh, love gifts. Um, Thank you with the love of Christ Jesus, Brother Seymour. Well, we must have sent him an offering or something. Anyway, there that is. Then we received uh, a note from Brother Leroy Duncan, and I'm not for sure, but I think he must have sent it to everybody. Any any of you get a, a note from Brother Duncan? Okay, he's getting the word out then. He's learned how to do it. He's talking about the fact he needs a motor for his car. Costs about fifteen hundred dollars. And so I would say to you, do as the Lord leads you. And um, he no doubt has sent that to all of his supporting churches. And I hope and pray he gets what he needs. Thank you, Terry. My wife and I uh, put a check in the offering box or two hundred dollars for Brother Duncan, and um, but you just give as the Lord leads you. If the Lord don't lead you. Don't do. Don't give him anything. And uh, the, if the Lord wants you to have something else, he'll raise it up for it. <clears> he <throat> yeah, the Lord will burden people to give. Duncan is in a situation. He lives in Jamaica. In Jamaica, uh, you'd be hard-pressed to make a living in in Jamaica. You can't go get your job down at Walmart in Jamaica. I don't know if they've even got a Walmart. But they they may have. I don't know. Anyway, I don't know anyway. But we just did just pray for Brother Leroy Duncan and his need of I think he said a motor for his car. <clears throat> what is this different gospel that we hear about? First Corinthians chapter 15 and verse number 1. Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel which I preached unto you, which also ye have received, and wherein ye stand. The gospel that I preached unto you. Now then go to 2 Corinthians and chapter number 11. 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse number 4. For if he that cometh preacheth another Jesus whom we have not preached, or if you received another spirit which ye have not received, or another gospel which ye have not received, you might well bear with him. What is this another gospel, a different gospel? I'd like to speak to you by the help of the Lord on that subject. What is this different gospel? Sometimes we hear of a gospel that's being preached, but then recognize it's different than what we've heard before the Corinthian believers had accepted the Gospel preached by the Apostle Paul. The Gospel that's preached by the Apostle Paul is the good news of salvation by God's free and sovereign grace. Apart from any work, Performed by man, any work performed by man for salvation is no good. It does not obtain salvation. If you got to work for it, it's not God's salvation. Correct. The Bible says in Ephesians chapter two, verse eight and nine. For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of itself it is a gift of God. It's not by works, you see. Not of works, lest any man should boast. For we are His workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. Child of God... You are His workmanship. You didn't save yourself. If you're saved at all, the Lord saved you. You are His workmanship created in Christ Jesus. The Gospel preached by Paul Declares the total inability of all mankind to meet the conditions of salvation. Man, by his nature, cannot meet the conditions of salvation. Man is totally depraved spiritually. Man cannot work up salvation in order to save himself. And you, this is Ephesians chapter two, verses two, uh, one through three. And you, hath he quickened that is made alive, who were dead in trespasses and sins. Wherein in time past you walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience, among whom also we all had our conversation in time past in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath even as others. Before you were saved, you're a child of wrath, just like all the rest of them, until the Lord saved you. And then in John chapter 5 and verse number 40 I read, And you will not come unto Me that you might have life. The natural man will not turn to the Lord on his own. The natural man will do all kinds of work in order to try to save himself, but he's not going to turn to the Lord. It's the Spirit of God that's got to turn the man. The man won't turn himself. Well, I want you to notice also, that the Gospel preached by Paul declares that God the Father before the foundation of the world chose certain sinners to be saved. If you're saved today, child of God, you're saved today because God before the foundation of the world chose to save you. He chose you. You didn't choose, you didn't choose Him. But you said, oh, but I did. I chose the Lord. You may have then, but He chose you first. Thank the Lord for that. Now, this election was conditioned upon His own grace. This election was not conditioned upon anything about the sinner. He's a good man. He is a good prospect. God did not look at men that way. Men are sinners. They're lost. They're held down. They're rebellious, and there's none good. No, not one. So we find this election of sinners is by the grace of God, and that only. Nothing upon any kind of foreseen obedience or virtue in the one that's chosen by Him. God didn't see anything good in you to cause Him to choose you. Why did God choose to save you? It's just according to the good pleasure of His will. Nothing about you whatsoever caused Him to want to save you. What's in us that caused God to want to save us? they knew none of us good. No, not one. But God in His mercy chosen to save some of us. 2 Thessalonians If this is not marked in your Bible, it ought to be. Chapter 2 and verse 13. 2 Thessalonians, chapter 2, verse 13. But we're bound to give thanks always to God for you, brethren, beloved of the Lord, because, now notice these next words God hath from the beginning chosen you to salvation through sanctification of the Spirit and belief of the truth. God hath from the beginning chosen you to salvation. I'm glad He chose me to salvation. And He chose me to salvation through sanctification. sanctification's setting apart by the Spirit of God. It's the Spirit of God that brought me to the place of repentance toward God and faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and then belief of the truth. And the Lord saves us it causes us to believe the truth. Thank the Lord for that. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 13. Good verse to have marked in your Bible. Ephesians now, uh, that, that uh, I said Ephesians, uh, 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 13. 2 Thessalonians 2 13. Now I'm going to Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians chapter 1, verses 3 through 6 reads, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who have blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. And here we go in verse number 4. According as He hath chosen us in Him before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and without blame before Him in love, having predestinated us unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to Himself. According, here it is, to the good pleasure of His will, to the praise of the glory of His grace, wherein He hath made us accepted. In John 15, verse 16, Jesus said, You have not chosen Me, but I have chosen you. And ordained you that you should grow and bring forth fruit, and that your fruit should remain that whatsoever ye shall ask of the Father in My name, He shall give it you. You have not chosen Me, but I've chosen you. The sinner says, but I chose the Lord. And you thank God that He put it in your heart to choose Him. But always remember this, He chose you before you chose Him. Wonderful to know. <clears throat> the Gospel preachment, Paul declares that God, the Son, redeemed those sinners chosen by the Father. And that the efficiency of His atonement Is not conditioned upon any obedience on the part of the sinner. God's grace is not dependent upon our uh, doing anything. In Ephesians chapter 1, verse number 7, I read, In whom we have redemption through his blood. The forgiveness of sins according to the riches of His grace. We have forgiveness of sins according to the riches of His grace. It's not according to anything about ourselves. Now turn with me back from the Old Testament to the book of Isaiah. Get back there to Isaiah and go to the fifty-third chapter. I suppose this fifty third chapter probably most famous of the um, book Isaiah. Of course it's all good. Uh, Surely, this is Isaiah chapter 53 and verse 4, Surely He hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we did esteem Him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. Oh, the suffering of the Lord Jesus Christ. The cross of Calvary, in order to pay our awful, awful, sin debt. But He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon Him. And with His stripes we are healed. Let me tell you something folks. The Lord Jesus Christ suffered in His body. In order that you and I might be saved. all oh, we like sheep have gone astray. We've turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord hath laid on him, on Christ, the iniquity of us all. Your sins, your iniquities, laid on the Lord Jesus Christ. He suffered and paid your sin debt. He suffered in his body. And then I want you to notice that the gospel that preached by Paul declared that God the Spirit regenerates those dead sinners. And that is, before you were saved, you were dead. Oh, you were alive physically, but before you were saved, you were dead spiritually. I mean, you were dead, dead, dead. You were dead spiritually. <clears throat> The Bible tells us here the Gospel preached by the Apostle Paul declares that God the Spirit regenerates, makes alive dead sinners. Before you were saved, you were dead in trespasses and in sins. But thank God you were chosen by the Father. You were redeemed by the Son. And that regeneration is not conditioned upon anything that you've done. Look in John chapter 3 verse Three, John 3, verse 3. Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born when he's old? Can he enter the second time in his mother's womb and be born in verse 5, Jesus answered, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Except a man be born of water, and of the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Marvel not that I say unto thee, ye must be born again. The wind bloweth where it listeth. In verse 8, Thou hearest the sound thereof, but canst not tell whence it cometh and whither it goeth. So is every one that is born of the Spirit. It is the Spirit that quickeneth. The flesh profiteth nothing. The words that I speak unto you, they are Spirit and they are a life child of god before you were saved god brought you to a place of life he quickened you he made you alive he gave you faith to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. That's how you were able to trust Christ to start with. It's a gift of God. For by grace are you saved through faith. And that not of yourselves it's a gift of God. Not of works. Lest any man should boast. If a man could do something in order to save himself... If a man can do something even to help save himself, he'd boast about it. But it says, lest any man should boast. God's not going to have us boasting about our salvation. Our salvation is wholly of the Lord. It's all of the Lord or it's not of the Lord at all. I saw an advertisement on the television this past week uh, about a gun manufacturer. And it said uh, his guns were made in America. Or they're not made at all. Well, that's good. Well, your salvation is of the Lord or you don't have salvation at all. It's all of the Lord. We find now that the gospel preached by Paul declares that all of those who are saved by God have an eternal security conditioned upon God alone and not upon themselves. An eternal security Conditioned upon God alone. Uh, There are those, in fact, I suppose most religious groups do not believe in any kind of security and salvation. Because they believe that you can be saved... But then you could lose your salvation. They believe you could lose it by not doing what you ought to do, or they believe that you could lose it by doing something that you ought not to do. The truth of it is, salvation that God gives cannot be lost. It is a, when we're saved by God, we have an eternal security conditioned upon God alone. Yep. God's the Savior, God's the Keeper. And you could no more keep yourself saved than you could to save yourself. So we thank the Lord. The salvation is of the Lord. It's totally of the Lord. In Romans chapter 8 verse 35, <clears throat> who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword now notice that verse 35, it says, Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Is there any kind of tribulation you could ever go through to separate you from the love of Christ? Any kind of distress that you could go through to separate you from the love of Christ? Any kind of persecution that you could go through to separate you from the love of Christ? Or famine, doing without, no food, no place to live. Nakedness, no clothes to wear, no place to live. None of these things can separate you from the love of Christ. As it is written in verse 36, For thy sake we are killed all the day long, we are counted as sheep for the slaughter. Men, all these things, we're more than conquerors through Him that loved us. All these things tribulation, distress, persecution, famine, nakedness, peril, or sore. We're more than conquerors through Him that loved us. For I am persuaded in verse 38 that neither death nor life nor angels nor principalities nor powers nor things present nor things to come nor height nor depth nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. God doesn't love you and then quit loving you for whatever reason. If God ever loved you, still does. He doesn't change. He doesn't change. I'm persuaded in verse 38 that neither death nor life nor angels nor principalities nor powers nor things present nor things to come uh, 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 nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus. You thank God for that. In John chapter three, verse sixteen, verse familiar. Everybody probably one of the first verses you ever memorized. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. And whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Well, thank God for the life that we have in the Lord Jesus Christ. Everlasting life. Everlasting life means there's no end to it. It goes on and on and on in eternity. John chapter 10 verse 27 My sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. And I give unto them eternal life. And they shall never perish, neither shall any man pluck them out of My hand. My Father which gave them Me is greater than all, and no man is able to pluck them out of My Father's hand. My sheep hear My voice in verse 27, and I know them, and they follow Me. My sheep hear my voice. Some of you, no know doubt, your mind goes back to the time of your conversion when you heard the gospel of Christ preached. It was as though God was calling you. It was as though you heard the voice of God call to you. Oh, let me tell you something. I well remember that when the Lord saved me. <laughs> I went home that night. Mom and Dad already gone to bed. And I told them, I said, the most wonderful thing happened to me tonight. I got saved. Oh, I thank God. Though my mom and dad at that time they did not go to church like they ought to, all we went now and again—Easter time maybe, Christmas maybe—but the Sunday after I got saved, what that date was, I have no idea. I do believe it was in the year 1947 when I got saved. What month, I do not know. But the next Sunday after I got saved, we were in church. That was a turnaround at our house. Thank God there's more turnarounds and later dates after that. I remember when we went to church, it was a Methodist church. And I didn't know anything about it, but the Methodist preacher had me by the hand and leading me out into the water. the creek, I suppose, of some sort. And he says to me, he said, if your daddy wasn't so stubborn, we could have done this at the church house. He said, I'll be surprised if both of us don't get in the moment. And I did not know what the man was talking about. Except, he took me out there and he immersed me under that cold, cold water. That's I know most of you've heard this before, but maybe one or two of you haven't heard it. I want to tell it. It's my story. I got baptized in the Methodist church by a Methodist preacher that didn't want to do it. But later on, mom and dad did this in the Baptist Church. And one day my dad came to me and said to me, Son, my mom and I want to join this church. I want you to come with us, but they won't receive us unless we get rebaptized." I didn't say a thing. At that time I was only what? 11, 12 years old, something like I thought, if I would have what I wanted to do to start with, that's what I would have I'd that Baptist church. And that's when we became Baptist. When I was 15 years old, oh, I had a rush on my mind. I felt like the Lord called me to preach. And, oh, me. I didn't want to say the Lord called me to preach when it's just something I wanted myself. Then I wrestled with that. I told Brother Freeman, who was my pastor at the time, I said, I'm not for sure, but I said, I I think the Lord maybe called me to preach. But I said, I don't want this to be something I want. If it's, if it's what God wants, I'm surrendered to that. That night after the service, he said, Douglas, I'm going to North Carolina preaching a revival meeting, and I will not be here Wednesday night. You take charge of the service. I was 15 years old. And I looked at my sermon book and I went through and pick, pick out the one of the sermons. Well, what do you do? I didn't have a sermon book. For you. <laughs> I didn't have a sermon book. I didn't have a sermon outline. I didn't have nothing. What do you do when you get like that? Just preaching the Bible. Just preaching the Bible. And I preached in Acts chapter 16. Sometime later I said to my dad, I said, Dad, do you remember that first sermon I preached? He said, yeah. You couldn't find the break later. <laughs> I didn't realize that I, that sermon didn't really stop. Well, I thank God and His divine providence He did something for me I couldn't do for myself. He saved me. He saved me by His grace. And then He called me to preach. And I believe that He called me to preach. And He's helped me through the years. And God has supplied my needs through the years. Primarily through the ministry. Most of my living has always come through the support. Primarily this church. No, this is Temple, William. I'm thinking about Park Ridge. I was there for 34 years. But uh, God has used His people in taking care of this old boy. And When Danny was born, I was a pastor at the time. Of course, I was a pastor long before he was born. Still in. By the grace of God. But I thank God for the call that He put on my life in calling me to preach. I thank God for the people. Not been a lot, but I thank God to the people who have been saved as a result of my preaching. Preaching the word of God just run out of the Bible. And some people getting saved. We don't see that a whole lot anymore. Oh, I wish it were so that we did. We can remember times, and oh, my mind goes back to it just real quick. Sunday after Sunday. Extending an invitation, and people begin to come down the aisle. One, two, three, four. Sunday after Sunday. Yes, I Maybe not close to ten. Sometimes a few more than ten people on a Sunday. You seldom see that anymore. You seldom see that anymore. But. We we saw it. A lot of other preachers saw it. Few of them see it anymore. Few of them see it anymore. I'd like to be in a place right now where the Gospel's being preached. They go to give an invitation, and there's people coming down the aisle, tears streaming down their cheeks. Repentance toward God and faith in Jesus Christ. Trust in Christ. One after another. You don't see that much anymore. It's a rare thing anymore. Not only here, but it's a rare thing. You go someplace else, it's the same thing. There's a big falling away the day we live in now. You're saved. You thank God that in the providence of God, you heard the Gospel and you were saved by the grace of God. God not only saved you, but God has kept you saved and He's going to keep you saved. Let's pray for the lost sinners. I pray for my children, my my children's children, my grandkids. My great grandchildren, yes. Oh, all of that they might be saved. Yes. I trust God that they shall be. Let's all say, please. By the way, dismiss us if you would, please. Dear Heavenly Father, we come to you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, the one who loved us and gave himself for us. Heavenly Father, thank you that you made us part of your forever family. Thank you, Heavenly Father, for the gospel that we have received. Thank you for the gospel that Paul preached. Thank you for the difference it made in our lives through the Holy Spirit. And Heavenly Father, I ask that you would help us to be proper representatives for you to a lost and dying world. And as we go from here, I pray that you'll be with us, bring us back at the next appointed time, and I pray that all that we say and do will bring honor and glory to the Lord Jesus Christ. We ask these things in His name. Amen. Amen. <laughs> Laura, yes, sir. You go.